This meeting is being recorded. Thank you everyone for joining us today. I'm Janelle Rainey, Head of Product Marketing at Zoom, and I'll be moderating today's event. Just a few housekeeping items. Uh, please go ahead and add your questions to the Q&A panel, and we'll try to get to as many questions as possible. We are recording this webinar, and we will send it out later. We're excited to provide you yet another update on our recent progress and an opportunity to ask Eric and a few of our top product team members questions. Today, we're gonna have our have Eric, our founder and CEO, provide an update on our progress since the last webinar on July 15th, followed by Oded Gall, our chief product officer, who will recap recent and upcoming product and security updates to our platform. We'll then have Max Crone, our head of security engineering, share updates on our end-to-end -end encryption offering. And Jason Lee, our chief information and security officer, will then recap best practices for users, for users to secure their Zoom meetings. And lastly, we'll open up to Q&A. With that, I'll hand it off to Eric. Welcome, Eric. Hey, thank you, Janelle. It's a long time. So, yeah, thank you all for joining me today. And I truly appreciate your time. So we are very excited to welcome you all to another webinar, which we are now hosting on a monthly basis as part of our commitment be transparent with our users and to provide privacy, security, and uh, product updates. Since our last webinar last month, we have wrapped up our innovation pipeline and rolled out a number of new features as well as some solutions to further enhance our users' experience when using Zoom's uh, platform. And this includes the expansion of both Zoom phone and Zoom for home devices, as well as our end-to-end -end encryption offering. And we are very excited about that, which Odette and Max will discuss in greater detail in a minute. So while we continue to push ahead with innovative features to improve our product and the user's experience, and help them feel even more connected. Privacy and security remain at the forefront. And we have made a number of uh, security enhancements that we are rolling out in August across our UCAS portfolio, including Zoom meetings and Zoom webinars, Zoom chat, Zoom phone, and Zoom rooms. Also, we continue to bolster our security and trust and uh, safety teams. And importantly, I'm very pleased to share that Adam Rudman started as our new head of vulnerability and bug bounty program in uh, mid July. Adam brings extensive experience in network security and uh, product security. And he will help us on our journey to become the most frictionless and secure video communications in the world. As we continue to navigate through this global health crisis, it's inspiring and encouraging to see the role Zoom continues to play in helping people stay connected and productive, especially 
in the education sector. So educators play a vital role in the growth and development for our children, who are the future of our society. So to help educators prepare for the new school year, we hosted our first K-12 Zoom Summer Academy at the end of uh, July, which garnered participation from tens of thousands of educators, school teachers, school IT staff, and other learners and leaders from 154 countries who joined for a two-day professional development series to share knowledge, resources, and uh, best practices for a very successful return to the classroom in the new school year. I was also proud to see so many educators from a different backgrounds gathering together and leveraging our platform to ensure that learning, which is one of the most important aspects of our society, can continue. With that, I will now turn it over to Odette, our Chief Product Officer. Odette? Thank you, Eric. Let me walk you through the exciting updates we have for Zoom Phone and Zoom for Home, as well as our releases for the product and platform in August. I'll begin with the Zoom Phone. On August 17, we announced that we have expanded Zoom Phone to 25 additional countries and territories, enabling us to provide local telephone service and domestic calling in over 40 countries and territories around the world. Further, to help our customers streamline their communications, carried portfolio, and the process for managing domestic calling plans, we launched the Global Select Plan. This plan allows companies to purchase domestic calling for one flat price per user in the 40 plus countries and territories we will provide PSTN service. Based on our ongoing engagement with our customers, we've been on an aggressive path over the last 18 months or so to add more countries and territories to our local PSTN service offering in order to ensure an easy path to cloud phone service. By March 2020, we were in 18 countries and territories, and now we have more than doubled the number of countries in our local PSTN service. This expanded convergence coverage allows this expanded coverage allows Zoom customers to migrate away from the legacy phone system and consolidate business communications into Zoom's video-first unified communication platform. Importantly, this new model for providing local cloud telephony simplifies communication for our customers, helps them untangle and consolidate their global telephony spending, and replaces their existing UBX solution with one that fits seamlessly into their overall communications frame. Today, we announced the expansion of Zoom for Home category to include Facebook, Amazon, and Google personal collaboration devices. We're now officially in the new normal where telecommuting and remote learning are the way of life for many in the US and abroad. To accommodate this change in norm, 
We launched our new category, Zoom for Home, last month to enhance immersive video collaboration at home. Zoom for Home provides simple device solutions and enables to streamline means video meetings, phone calls, and interactive whiteboarding, combining Zoom software enhancements with compatible hardware to upgrade for home office experience. We expect Zoom will be publicly available. <coughs> Zoom will be publicly available on portal from Facebook in September. We're also adding Amazon's Echo Show 8 to our Zoom for Home category and expect it to be publicly available by the end of the year. And finally, we expect Zoom will be publicly available on Google's next Hub Max by the end of the year. Next, let me walk you through some of the security highlights from releases we have introduced or will introduce this month. For Zoom meetings and webinars, earlier this month, we provided passcode and waiting room options on the top of all the various schedulers that our platform supports. We also improved waiting room notifications to ensure that hosts are more easily able to tell when a participant or when participants are waiting to be let into the meeting. This includes additional notifications during screen share and when Zoom is minimized or hidden. When scheduling meetings and webinars, hosts can utilize a new setting called request permission to unmute participants, which allows participants to pre-approve hosts' ability to unmute them as needed when joining a meeting. Hosts joining by phone can start meetings with the host key when joined before host is enabled. For Zoom chat, channel and group chat admins can manage the posting permissions to choose when can send messages in their channel or group chat. Channel admins can remove the ability for external contacts to add new members to channels and group chats for security and privacy purposes. Also earlier this week, we made enhancement to Zoom phone, including account owners and admins can use the role management feature, predefined Zoom phone roles and permissions, and will have the ability to edit each role in order to control Zoom phone privileges. Emergency calling enhancements, and the ability to sync with IDP, with IDP for corporate directory contacts. Also, earlier this week, the following enhancements to Zoom meetings were made. We now display the certificate expiration date on the single sign-on page on our web client, warning admins that the certificate will soon expire and allowing them to proactively update the certificate in order to prevent login issues. Initially, we have enabled consent for participants unmute. We also now have external authentication whereby account owners and admins can configure their identity provider to authenticate users who are joining meetings and webinars via SSO. This feature is available for business and enterprise accounts with SSO complete. We are also planning on other releases for Zoom chat later this month. 
Zoom chat will provide account admins with the ability to manage external contacts, including the, ability, the, the option to completely remove external contacts from their accounts. Additionally, account admins will have the ability to download chat history for a specific user for one year at a time. Now, I'll hand it over to Max Gron, our head of security engineering, who will walk you through our progress on our end-to-end -end encryption offering. Uh, thank you, Odette. I'm pleased to share our progress on end-to-end uh, -end, uh, encryption for Zoom meetings. So to recall, our goal for end-to-end -end encryption was to maintain Zoom's easy-to-use uh, product and um, to complement it with new key management uh, technology. To recap what we have done so far, we first released a draft design of our proposal on May the 22nd. And since, since then, we've updated the design to incorporate feedback we've gotten from the security community, and we published that update on June 17th. As we go forward, we plan to keep updating this document as details about our implementation and future plans become more clear. On July 31st, we launched the, um, the, the first uh, of our beta, uh, <coughs> we launched the first uh, uh, Zoom beta product for end-to-end um, -end encryption, first internally and then with, with external customers. We're extremely excited about how this beta is going. In our testing, we validated the performance, scale, and ease of use of the end-to-end -end encryption offering for meetings. We're making adjustments based on feedback, and we look forward to a general availability launch this fall. What we have built so far is a great foundational layer for what we plan to build in the future. And as a reminder, here's the progress that we anticipate over the next <clears throat> year and beyond. Phase one is where we're introducing client key management, where Zoom meetings will generate and manage private key pairs known only to the client. The client will use these to generate and exchange session keys without needing to trust the server. Think of this level of security as what you would get on most end-to-end -end, uh, encrypted consumer platforms today. We'll support all Zoom clients, Zoom rooms, and this will be available for scheduled meetings only. In phase two, we're going to roll out a stronger notion of identity that can be used with Zoom end-to-end -end encryption. Identity providers via SSOs can vouch for their users without trusting Zoom. This will enable other users to get warnings if their contacts are on new phones or computers that weren't previously authenticated. And with that, I'd like to hand it over to Jason Lee, our Chief Information Security Officer. Thank you, Max. Um, I now want to revisit an important and serious issue that my colleagues have touched on before in previous webinars how to secure Zoom meetings. This is particularly important as schools start this next year. Over the course of this pandemic, we have seen instances of uninvited users seeking out publicly posted meeting information and joining those meetings to disrupt and attack other users with hateful, malicious, and deeply offensive content. I wanna reiterate that Zoom is unequivocally rejects and contends this deplorable behavior. We are very focused on continuing to take action to ensure our platform is safe 
and secure for our users. Despite making many enhancements to our platform over the past couple of months to make it easier for meeting hosts to prevent these attacks, we know they unfortunately continue to occur. We want to ensure all of our users are educated on best practices for securing their meetings. The security of any Zoom meetings begins at the point of scheduling. Prior to the start of any meeting, users can configure a number of pre-meeting features through the Zoom web portal or the Zoom desktop client to ensure meetings are protected from the outset. We encourage hosts to enable passcodes in virtual waiting rooms. And these features can be enforced by account owners and admins at the user group or account level for all meetings and webinars. Further, users can enable the join by domain feature which only allows attendees with a given email domain to join the meetings. Once the meeting begins, hosts can continue to manage the security of their meetings with a range of in-meeting features. To ensure the host can quickly and easily access these features, we created the security icon in the toolbar. Meeting hosts can lock the meeting so no new participants can join even if they have the meeting ID or passcode. You can remove uninvited participants, you can put a participant on hold to mute their audio and video, turn a participant's video off, mute an individual participant or all of them at once, disable in-meeting file transfer through chat, disable the annotation feature, restrict participants' ability to chat amongst one another, Turn off screen sharing for participants. Enable or disable a participant or all participants to record. Disable participants ability to rename their on screen identity. Turn on waiting rooms from within the meeting. And to report users to Zoom's trust and safety team who will review any potential misuse of the platform and take appropriate action. We are committed to providing users with the tools and resources they need on a safe and secure platform. Please visit the privacy and security page on the website, which houses more resources and best practices for securing your meetings. With that, I'll now hand it back over to Janelle. Excellent, thank you, Jason, for those important reminders. Uh, now we'll open it up to our Q&A. Thank you all for submitting your questions. Uh, let's jump right into it. Um, I did. Can you talk about, um, do you have a technology workaround to create communal sound chambers to create music together? I'm not following exactly what the problem is. If you can uh, read it again. Uh, yeah, so do you have technology or workaround to create a communal sound chamber to create music together? So in terms of uh, having music together, there is uh, one limitation that we have where we can only mix up to three streams uh, together at, at once. Uh, so the idea of having uh, multiple people playing music and performing together uh, is limited to that number. 
we are looking into a solution that will solve that problem, but right now the uh, limitation is there. One thing that is available is the ability for each individual to improve the quality of the audio that they record in the sense that uh, we have the feature that allows you to record the original sound. And if you look for that feature, it can be enabled by the host. And once original, original sound is enabled, there the filters that is required for just a voice recording of a person will be disabled and you have kind of a wider range of sound that can be recorded on the computer to support music and singing from one individual. Excellent. Uh, Bill is asking, our group would like to host a workshop which combines a webinar with breakout rooms. And is that possible? Um, we want to only spotlight one to three speakers at a time without everyone visible, um, as they would be in a Zoom meeting. Uh, we also want the ability to have breakout discussion groups and come back to report to the group as a whole. So currently, breakout rooms uh, is a feature that is only available for meetings, not for webinars. We are working on adding that to webinars in the future, but we will have new features coming in in the you know, next release that will allow more flexibility in terms of uh, video layouts. And so expect uh, some uh, new enhancements that will come that will make uh, the host and the participants able to choose more than one participants in terms of pinning or spotlighting. So that may solve the problem that you have, but uh, we keep hearing more and more about those uh, new use cases and we'll you know, register this uh, requirement and see if uh, we can support it further. But please uh, look for the next release that will have uh, some additional features in terms of managing the layouts and being able to pin multiple users. Great, and then Mindy's asking, can you prevent attendees from logging in with video? So right the main way can... to do that would be with webinars, right? Correct. <laughs> so maybe you can talk right. a little bit more about that. If you, if you use uh, webinars, basically it's a view only mode where the users join the meeting and can attend by just receiving video. And that will solve that problem of not allowing users to share their video in a meeting. Right. And Eric, uh, Jordana, I hope I got your name right, um, is asking, how do you envision a business using Zoom to make their business fully remote? Very timely question. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I think over the past several months, right, we all learned a lot, right, how to leverage the tools like Zoom or other tools, right, and to, to support remote work. I think, uh, you know, given the, the, the past several months experience, I think, uh, you know, technology is ready. Uh, just to make sure you know and uh, let your team adopt tools like this and plus the case is not about technology this, this case is about the engagement with your employees make sure you do not have too many back-to-back -back meetings and uh, also which might cause uh, you know mental health problem right i think overall i think this is uh, becoming the mainstream now right so and there's no productivity loss and uh, it works yeah. Excellent. Uh, a couple of questions here on when will live transcripts be released? And if you notice, we are using them today in our 
in our webinar so you're able to experience it. Yes, yeah, Adele, go ahead, yeah. Yeah, we're looking into listening to some of our customers uh, initially. We've heard uh, loud and clear that it is uh, something that is very helpful for classrooms and in general in the education space. So we will enable that for the, our education customers. And then we plan over time to uh, provide it to everyone. It will be kind of a, a gradual enablement over the next few months. Great. A uh, couple of packaging questions here so that we can all chime in and help. How do I add a webinar to my account for a special conference in October? And not as simple as going to your account page if you can add that webinar on. Uh, you can also, if you're only doing one conference in October, you can just buy a one month package and that would give you access for that time period um, within that 30 days. And then there's a question on how many, what's the maximum people that can be connected in a single meeting? And that depends on what package you're on. Uh, so if you're on basic or pro, it's 100. If you're in business, it's 300. If you're enterprise, it's 500. And enterprise plus is 1,000. You can also add on the 500 or 1,000 to one of the other licenses as well. So just visit our plans and pricing page and it's, it's all transparent, it's all right there. And then our webinars, uh, of course, scale to tens of thousands, uh, you know, and then we encourage you to talk to our sales team if you need something that large for that. Uh, let's see, Lindsay's asking, um, Dad, will a voice to text feature be, would it allow, sorry, a voice to text feature would allow chat to be faster for people who are slow typers? Any plans for this? Right now, the, we're using the voice to text technology to provide um, the transcription. That's uh, what we plan to do. And we, uh, we look into building it into the chat as well as a, as a possible solution. That's a good idea. Right, and you did just add that into the Zoom chat, correct? Where you could do that. So yeah, it's not right. meetings right. yet, but it's on the Zoom chat, yeah. That's a voice message, yeah. You can leave a voice yeah. message. It's a voice message, not correct. voice to text. <laughs> Um, Jason, Rhonda's asking, what are some tips to avoid hackers? Yeah, so there's there's four things. I know I covered a few of these items. Um, first is try not to post uh, the meeting links into public forums like social media that's open to a lot of people, things that can be found on like Google as an example. Um, but if you have to, uh, or, or if you don't, there's still three other things that I would ask that you do that, that really make a big impact, which is one, enable passcodes, two, make sure to use virtual waiting rooms, and then if possible, use the join by domain feature, which only allows attendees with a given email domain to join into your meetings. Um, so that's, that's really what I feel are the most important aspects to focus on. That's excellent. Those are great tips for avoiding bad actors coming into your meetings. Do you also have tips on like, how do I protect my chat or just my whole Zoom account in general, which is kind of best practices for any SaaS product, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the one of the most important things to protect your account is to make sure that you're not, that you're using a unique uh, passcode uh, for your account. Uh, one thing that's very common that I see is uh, a user would use the same username and password all over the place. 
Um, and what that does is it reduces your risk of if there's a compromise of that account information, they could also use it for your Zoom account. So I would recommend putting in a unique uh, password for your Zoom account that you don't share with any of your other accounts. That, that's an important aspect to securing it. And just like using other SaaS products, that's a, that is a best practice. Great. Eric, we have a couple of questions here about children going back to school. Like, what does it feel like to help make that possible for so many children and teachers? Yeah, I would say, first of all, it's really not easy for kids to stay at home for such a long time. Now in the fall season, you know, they have to you know, join the online classes, especially for K-12 schools, right? It's not easy, but from our side, we do all we can right, to help to empower you know, the teachers and the schools and to host the online classes via a Zoom platform. So we're gonna to continue to invest more in doubling down on that in terms of, uh, you know, we might have a daily, you know, the education sessions and with educators, you know, K to 12 school IT staff, as just mentioned, you know, how to make sure help them, right? To enable and uh, to share the best practices because some of the schools, they just join the Zoom platform, you know, they may not join our, our summer Zoom, you know, K-12 Academy, right? So we need to invest more. Also, we need to continue to help them, right? Like as just mentioned, right? You know, make sure their, their students don't share those uh, meeting invitation, you know, to others, you know, protect that. Because this is something new. It will take some time, you know, for the K-12 schools to really understand, you know, how, what's the best practice, right? This is a, you know, effort, you know, not only from uh, our side, but also from the entire education community. And we are going to double down on that to keep supporting the K-12 schools all the way up to the universities. Yeah, that's excellent. We, um, I think you mentioned this, we did the Summer Academy just a few weeks ago and had tens of thousands of principals and IT people and educators on there. And it was, it was great beyond just the training of how do I do Zoom, but it was also how do I teach over Zoom? And how do I make that engaging? There's uh, one person in here has commented, my, my kid's on class for four hours a day, right? Is, is that realistic um, to do that? And I think so much of that is the creativity of the teachers. Um, I know my son's taking ceramics and I thought, how is he gonna do that? <laughs> uh, but they got 25 pounds of clay delivered to the house yesterday. <laughs> so by the way, in addition to, you know, to share the best practice we also you know listen to our customers you know those educators right you know like how to further improve uh, breakout sessions and some specific features you know beautiful uh, education community that's also very important and this is a mutual effort yeah excellent so what's your view on the future of education and do you think education and learning person will change in the future yeah, in terms of future of education, I would say that's different compared to like, uh, you know, the, the, the business you know, companies or enterprise companies. It's very likely that's pure, you know, hybrid, you know, give the employees flexibility. But uh, when it comes to uh, uh, education, especially for K-12 schools, I think primarily still the campus stream, right? After the you know, uh, crisis is over. Because, you know, kids, they like to hang out, you know, to, to be together, right? To learn together. It's very important. Universities might be a little bit different, but again, it's still like a hybrid, but primarily driven by the, still the physical uh, online classrooms. 
for sure there will some of the the, the participant might who might join online with that right educators can further uh, improve the on um, the, the learning experience you can reach out as many students as possible right i think this sort, sort of a hybrid but not as like uh, you know the business you know customers and the managing from the remote worker you know mode. Great. And Eric or Ded, feel free to chime in on this too. Um, what hardware do you recommend for I'm doing hybrid classrooms or enabling my teachers from home? Well, Dad, we want to share something. Yeah, sure. From a, any PC that uh, has a, a relatively you know good performance will be adequate for a teacher. So that's. Uh, Something. We do have system requirements on our website that uh, we can share on this uh, chat that can let you know what is the minimum kind of CPU and memory requirements that are uh, a must for running a video call with Zoom. There's also uh, the option to use uh, the new devices that we announced uh, today in terms of having uh, a dedicated device like a D10Me that um, provides that ability to join a meeting and run a meeting while you have your laptop as a companion to that additional device. And we just recently announced that we will also support new devices from Facebook, Amazon, and Google. And the idea would be to use them as a companion. You still have your laptop for you know screen sharing and you use that additional device for the audio and video. So that's another option that uh, we have announced. Uh, we call it Zoom for Home if you want to look further into what devices are supporting that mode. But uh, both options are available. Either use your laptop, make sure you have the right uh, re system requirements, or use your laptop with the companion device, Zoom for Home. Yeah. By, by the way, Janelle, I also know actually some of the, the school teachers, they also use the iPad. And that also works yeah. pretty well too. You know, you also can annotate with whiteboard functionality as the mission and Zoom for home devices that will be available in the next several months. Also give you a, a bigger screen also with the whiteboard capabilities. I love that. Uh, I've also seen a lot of teachers using document cams and hooking those up. Yeah. Uh, I believe Kristen's gonna put a couple of links into the chat uh, that has some recommended hardware both the hybrid classroom and the remote teaching off of our website. Yeah, Hopefully I think uh, good, good point on the document camera, Janelle, because uh, that can actually allow the teacher to share a additional video stream. So for example, if there's a textbook that uh, the teacher wants to share with the students to show them where to read or where they, you know, they need to practice, they can take that document camera and point it above the book and share it in addition to sharing their own video and so that's a really uh, popular feature that uh, teachers use in terms of sharing textbooks yeah and relatively inexpensive too to set that up correct excellent um eric um given that it's back to school what are you doing to ensure that we have the capacity to keep quality service yeah first of all all I think these students good. joining yeah we already gained a lot of uh, experience over the past several months, and uh, we have a high confidence right, from a capacity perspective. You know, we, we feel very comfortable. You know, our you know president of engineering and product, you know, Vachami and his team, they have a daily meetings. 
know, to monitor the capacity in real time. If you need it, we always add more capacity because we always try to keep a threshold, like uh, capacity-wise, like only, you know, 50% of the peak time of volume, right? I think, uh, yeah, we, yeah, so I, I would say no need to worry about that. So uh, the whole team behind that to make it work. Excellent. Uh, Max, can you comment on while we wait for end-to-end -end encryption, do you still provide encryption technology on free and paid accounts? Oh, sure or, Dad, if you'd so, like to hop in as well. No, no, sure thing. So yeah. encryption uh, in the current product uh, hasn't changed at all, and that's the last thing Zoom would ever do to downgrade security. We only plan upgrades um, you know, from here on out. So just so everyone knows, um, when you join a Zoom meeting today, it's encrypted with 256 GCM, uh, AES GCM encryption, which is obviously uh, the standard in encryption. And that's with a key that's generated specifically for the meeting and thrown out after the meeting is over. So anyone in a Zoom meeting right now can rest assured they have um, extremely good uh, security and encryption on their meetings. Uh, with end-to-end, -end, we plan to upgrade the way the key is generated that um, that's used to encrypt meetings, but um, until that's rolled out to everyone. Um, the security guarantees are exactly as they have been since the GCM upgrade. Excellent. Uh, Dad, Susan's asking, um, can you do registrations and send reminders to attendees with meetings or only with webinars? It's available on both webinars and meetings. So uh, please feel free to go to our website and read the instructions on how to use uh, your registration and that it explains on both webinars and meetings. Excellent. So just go to our support page or website to support in that knowledge center. You will get great articles and tips on that. Uh, how do I give my participants permission to record? It can be done from their participant list and you can you know, allow that uh, specific user to record through that permission. Right. And they would be recording locally at that point, right? Correct. This is for recording locally, correct. Uh, Skip is asking if there's any software to give a green screen with a Zoom background not using a physical green screen. Maybe you to, want to talk to about... Actually, uh, yeah. We provide that ability to use virtual background without a green screen. There is a limitation in terms of uh, the CPU of the computer and that's also something that is on our knowledge base but the idea is that we want to support customers that can you know, change the virtual background like I do now I don't have a green screen behind me I just use a virtual background and the computer does the separation between my you know face and the background to provide a good experience yeah, but also uh, to add on to what Odette said if you do have a green you know, the background for sure is the quality wise is better, right? So you can buy, you know, the green wallpaper in Amazon or other online store and for the very professional studio. And also that's a good, you know, and the idea too. Yeah. Do you have tips for when two people are in the same room on Zoom? How do you avoid audio feedback? Yes, we actually have a, a feature around that where what happens if someone is already in the meeting and someone next to that person joins the same meeting, if you hear, uh, if you kind of listen, there is a chime that's being played. That chime actually, when 
um, it's uh, when the computer that is trying to join gets that sound back, it will disable your audio, both the speakers and the microphone, so that there is no feedback generated. That's a, a feature that we provide. So kind of try to understand how that works, and you will see that it's a very efficient mechanism to avoid the feedback. But in general, if you do want to uh, manually do that, just uh, join without adding the audio when you join into a meeting. There is also an additional feature that we released where if you uh, synchronize the Zoom client with your calendar, you'll be able to see all your meetings on your uh, meetings list. And there is an option there that if you click on join a meeting, there is a join from room option. And if you join from room, the same uh, idea will happen where the meet you will join the meeting without the speaker and microphone connected. So there are multiple ways to do that. Just to summarize, either automatically, where we do the trick by listening to the chime, or manually by either you joining in room uh, through that feature that is available on the calendar, or we just recommend you to join with the audio disabled in that room. Right, uh, Lisa is asking, what's the best way to connect music on a Zoom session? Ideally, we want all participants to hear an Apple playlist, but we could also use Spotify or something like that. Um, we've tried it several ways, uh, but do you have any tips on getting good audio quality and levels? Well, we do have the share audio capability, where if you go to the sharing button and you bring up the sharing dialog, there is an advanced option to share audio from your computer. So the idea is that you would play the audio from your computer first and then go and share from that function and it will share whatever is played on your computer in high quality. Uh, let's see, how do you integrate the PayPal function? There's an integration with PayPal that is available. There's multiple steps that you need to take. Basically, you need to have a PayPal account to be able to do that, really uh, suggest to go to the support article that explain exactly what are the steps that you need to take to integrate with PayPal, but we do have that capability. Yeah, so just go to marketplace.zoom.us and search for PayPal, and it's it's all right there. Um, a lot of people running a webinar love that. Um, let's see, what are your best tips to give out to participants when they're experiencing internet internet issues? So in terms of uh, dealing with uh, low bit rate, if that's the problem that they're experiencing, uh, I would say one uh, step that I would take is first move closer to the wireless router. So you know, make sure that you have good network ahead of time. And sometimes it's better to even connect your computer on a wired connection. That's the first thing that I would do. Then if there is no other way to improve the connectivity, then in some cases you would want to maybe uh, switch to a single video. If someone is sharing, just watch the thumbnail of one person so you receive only one video stream or you can turn off the video completely if you uh, don't have enough bandwidth for both video and the screen sharing. Let's see. Um, 
Deborah's asking a great question. How and where can we submit feature ideas and requests? There is an ability in the product to submit feedback. So that's something that uh, you can go into this, the settings and you can find it there and we receive feedback. That's one way to do that. Or uh, you can go to kind of our website and in the support page, there is a way to uh, submit a requirement as well. Both uh, will reach our support team and then reach the product team after that. Excellent. I know you, you drive so much of your roadmap based on customer feedback and conversations. So we really do encourage you to give us give us what you want, right? Uh, Absolutely. We'd love to hear uh, the feedback. Yeah. Um, Deb is asking, can you discuss how polling may be used beyond multiple choice questions? Any plans to expand on that? Well, in general, we're looking into enhancing our polling and that's one of the things that we would like to enhance, making it uh, more expandable and not limited to just one capability. So uh, expect more enhancement to the polling in the future. Great. Um, Eric, what is your vision for the future as we look to return to offices? Yeah, I hope we can return to office tomorrow. So, but uh, <laughs> it will take some time. I think of, you know, I think, uh, first of all, I think uh, when it comes to returning to office, I think the way for us to work together before is completely changed, right? And as I mentioned earlier, you have to embrace hybrid. Otherwise, you will lag behind, you know, to your competitors. You know, imagine your engineers, right? They can save the one hour of commuted time, right? Work from home, right? This is very productive. I think, first of all, make sure the technology is ready. And another thing you should look at, you know, maybe your, you know, your office setup, right? Used to be a very big open offices. I think that you might need to change. And also you have, uh, you know, for, for especially for the enterprise, big companies, right? They might have a small technology hub in some small cities. When you have uh, maybe a dozen employees, you, you got to think about, do you really need to have a physical office, right? Why not give employee a, a greater tool, uh, some tools, right? To enable the remote work. The good news, actually, we do have some time. You know, we learned some experience over the past several months. This is not only for one company, for the entire industry. Everyone is looking at how to truly embrace work from home and the trend, right? I think we can learn from each other. Excellent. Um, what do you look for in hiring good people? And do you have a favorite interview question? Yeah, so on DY, our hiring philosophy is always to look for self-motivation and the self-learning employees, right? So it's very important, right, for, for you got to motivate yourself. You, you would like to learn. My favorite question, you know, when I try to interview anyone is, you know, which book are you reading recently? If Janelle, if, you know, I know, you know, you always told me, you know, how many books you are you know, you're reading every month or every quarters. If you never, if you told me that I'm too busy to read any book, I guess actually, you know, it's, it's not a good sign, so. Reading, it's wonderful. I, I love audio books as well. Um, and Eric, I know you always, I do make your library that we had in the office. Yep. <laughs> uh, we'll need to get a virtual one going there. Um, oh, Dad, do you have a favorite interview question? I. I try to understand, um, you know, what is the passion of the product for the product, but it's kind of tricky right now. In the past, I used to ask people 
um, if they signed up for an account and they use Zoom. Right now, that question is almost mute because everybody <laughs> is on Zoom. So I need to find uh, a new question to understand their passion for the product. Right. I, I, guess, I guess Max, the first interview question is about to test the, the encryption you know, technology. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's will be around the, the, the security, so. <laughs> Jason or Max, what do you think? <laughs> I, I don't want to give away our, our real stumpers. We have some stumpers <laughs> One of uh, One of my favorite uh, questions, not security related, is I, I actually ask uh, somebody to teach me something new. And I want to understand, you know, how, how they go through the process and thought process of what it is that they need to teach me and how they approach it. That's always a fun one and it's a great dialogue because I get to learn something new and I get to, uh, you know, create that kind of uh, relationship with the person by going through that learning. I, I guess that. I could, I, building on what Jason just said, uh, no, we actually do ask people in our interviews, talk about some, you know, something you read recently, a security vulnerability in the press and, you know, talk about what the learnings were and what happened and, just so that, I mean, you know, you could look online and see things going on every day. So it's good to see that people are paying attention to the types of problems, you know, that, that come up and, and how best to solve them. So that's pretty good for from a security perspective. That's great. Um, this is for Eric and team. So another round table here. Um, how do you build and maintain a culture when your teams are about, especially with new hires? Yeah, I can start. I think when it comes to the new hires, is again, it's, it's pretty difficult. It's not that easy because you never see each other for for, for such a long time. Uh, but overall, you got to you know do all you can to truly care about you know employees, especially new employees, right? Have a more Zoom calls, and sometimes you know you probably can record a video message, right? And proactively. You know, talk with them, right? Just maybe you don't know you spend a lot of time, just five minutes or even several minutes. Ask us, ask them, ask them what's going on. You know, like Max, you know, we're quite a key is, You know, Max is in New York. You know, we have you know once or twice weekly meetings. You know, sometimes just to send a chat message, you know, to each other to make sure each, you know we we know each other and also you know he's doing well. You know, as any questions again, as long as you think about your employees. I think it should be okay. And, uh, you know, technology always there. You, you can use anything right, to engage with your employees. You know, try to maintain a, a great culture. Great. Any other tips? I'll share mine. Uh, half my team is new since March, so we do have a lot of new employees. Uh, we have a half hour to stand up every, every day. It's optional to come, but I would say most people make it at least three, three days of the week, three of the five. Uh, and it's just team building. Sometimes we have an agenda or we'll have a guest speaker, but most of the time it is, hey, just tell us about your weekend. What, what are your challenges? Where do you need help? And then I also find a mentor in the group because frequently I'm in meetings all day long and they need somebody just to get those organizational, who do I go to, especially as we're all remote. Um, I think just understanding where to go in the organization has been really key. And also, Janelle, another tip I'd like to share, especially when you, you know, have a Zoom call with your newly hired employee. So I make it a, you know, maybe a little bit of fun, right? You can use a Zoom video filter, right? And have all those cool features <laughs> like this, right? That's pretty cool. And don't always, you know, you can have very, very serious conversation. I make it a fun and meeting. Yeah, I like it, pretty cool. All right, I'll play along with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
that actually answered one of our next questions was, are you going to do anything fun like uh, Instagram filters? Uh, so uh, there are some fun things in there. And again, uh, you also put in more reactions in your meetings too, right? Correct. So just make sure you download the latest client and you can have that. If you really want to go all the way, you can also download the Snap camera uh, software and use that. But we have uh, a lot of it already embedded natively to our product as well. Yeah. Some fun icebreakers. I'm in team builders. Uh, Karen's asking, when's your next educators conference? And was the educators meeting taped and available? It is taped and available. I believe Kristen put the link in the chat for that. Um, all you need to do is register and you can watch those recordings. There's even badging if you would like to receive a certificate that, um, that you had watched those. Uh, I will say with Zootopia coming up, we will have um, an educator track there as well. So up to great learning and you know, just visit our website. There are daily, I believe, trainings uh, and webinars for educators. So lots of great resources out there for that. Um, let's see, a couple more questions here. We're almost running out of time. Um, let's see, I'm live streaming a Zoom workshop lecture performance using Zoom meetings. How can my participants opt to remain anonymous? We're done. For, so I'm not, I didn't follow the whole question, using live stream. So if, if you want to send a one to many live stream event or a general event, then uh, you can start a webinar and live stream it. And through YouTube, people can watch it without joining a meeting or a webinar, if that's the question. So, uh, but need to understand if I got the actual question answered. Can you repeat it? Um, it's I'm live streaming a Zoom workshop lecture and performance using Zoom meetings. How can my participants opt to remain anonymous? And there's a related question. I'm not sure if it's from the same person. This is from Joe. Um, Let's see, in a webinar, can attendees verbally ask questions without their names being shown on the screen to other attendees? So I think it's if you brought somebody in from the audience and they were participating, can they rename, rename, rename anonymous? Well, they do need to have a name on our participant list. That's uh, the question. If you want to be anonymous, I would use the text chat. There you can have anonymous questions. Excellent. Are you able to do multiple registration levels? For example, can people register for free while other people need to pay? So if you uh, refer to a Zoom account registration, then you can have in a single account some people that are paid account and some are basic, which is free. Great. And can Zoom handle a general meeting of 500 people it certainly can, but again, go back and check your plans. Uh, you may need to add on a large meeting, um, or if you're having a meeting with 500 people, you may want to consider the webinar platform as well. And if, if this is a known audience, we recommend to use registration. And Jason, um, Mariel is asking, what is the level of privacy and security in Zoom? So, um, security and privacy are very important to us, as I said, and we do offer a number of features to keep your meetings secure that I covered earlier. 
um, as well as your data and privacy. There's passcodes, waiting rooms, chat encryption, etc., along with a variety of authentication me methods. Um, and so, and definitely refer to kind of the, since this is a recording, look at everything that I talked about around how to secure your meeting, as well as, you know, end-to-end -end encryption is an important aspect and uh, what Max talked about. So that is also part of our security story of how we're increasing the level of security on our platform. Excellent. Uh, with that, Eric, do you have any parting words? We'll see everybody again in a month. I think for this webinar, first of all, I feel very secure. We have Max on the call, we have Jesse on the call. And anyway, I, I want to say, hey, you know, thank you so much for all those users and who truly support us over the past several months. Give us a lot of great feedback. Take this web, uh, take this webinar, for example, a lot of you and, you know, never missed a single webinar. We truly appreciate it for your great support. We will do all we can, you know, to keep improving. I want to let you know that we are fully committed to make the Zoom a frictionless and a secure collaboration solution to help people stay connected. Thank you so much. See you next month. Thank you all. Thank, Thank you. you. The recording has stopped. Oh, that's bullshit.